Hello and welcome to Agora Politics. This is your host, Alex Mershak. Today I'm speaking with Roy Barzilai, who has a hypothesis on the way sex hormones affect the life cycles of civilizations. Roy is the author of the Testosterone Hypothesis, named for the aforementioned theory, as well as Sex Wars, How Hormones Drive Gender, Race, and Culture Conflicts. We talked about his hypothesis of how hormones may regulate the life cycles of civilization, how the sun affects growth cycles, coronal biology, and individualistic versus collectivist societies. As always, this show welcomes independent thinkers presenting novel ideas, and Roy's hypothesis represents one of the most interesting and holistic theories of the rise and fall of civilizations coming from outside mainstream institutions. With that being said, we'll get right into it. So, without further ado, I give you Roy Barzilai. Hello and welcome to Agora Politics. This is your host, Alex Mershak. Today I'm speaking with Roy Barzali from uh, Israel, all the way from Israel. He is the author of The Testosterone Hypothesis, How Hormones Regulate the Life Cycles of Civilization, as well as Sex Wars, How Hormones Drive Gender, Race, and Cultural Conflicts. Roy, how are you doing? Oh, great. Uh, happy to be with you tonight. Happy to be with you as well. Uh, you're an independent thinker, an independent scholar as well, and uh, you hold actually numerous degrees in um, in computer science and in law and accounting, um, all from Tel Aviv University. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about uh, yourself and just a quick introduction to uh, your work? Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, I have uh, I have my background is in uh, financial markets analysis. I've been working in as a financial financial analyst uh, for over a decade, and uh, I was interested in financial, economic, social, and political political cycles of history, how it all works. Uh, so this got me starting on a long journey. I started uh, studying more uh, economics, uh, capitalism versus socialism. Then I went deeper into philosophy. I started studying philosophy of Ayn Rand to dig deeper into the philosophical background. And uh, I got even even deeper. I started 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 uh, studying philosophical trends, uh, even uh, of. Uh, past history, so I uh, read about Christianity, Judaism, how it all evolved. And uh, then I went uh, even further into biology, started studying hormonal cycles, testosterone, and I put it all this together, integrated into an entire, this entire body of knowledge into a theory I call the testosterone hypothesis, mm -hmm. uh, in which I uh, propose that uh, history is actually driven by sex hormones, uh, the life cycles of civilization, you see the rise and fall. And also it has to do with solar cycles, how the sun affects uh, growth cycles. And it's very complex, very interesting, but uh, it's, it's, it's a, little bit, a little bit difficult to explain because it's a new theory mm -hmm. and uh, not many people uh, know about this yet. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on. You're one of the few uh, thinkers that I know of, at least of the people that I follow on Twitter, who is actually putting out uh, genuinely independent work um, in terms of putting forth uh, a, a holistic 
theory of you know civilizational cycles that uh, seems to 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 incorporate uh, a number of different um, uh, disciplines and fields, and so that that was like the primary interest that I had in your work. Um, and I know prior to this, as you said already, you were working in financial markets. Uh, do you want to just back back up a little bit and describe how the patterns in financial markets that you were uh, observing carried over into the philosophical work that you've done? Uh, yes, sure. It's, it's interesting. Um, I became aware of the financial cycles in history, like you see a depression versus an age of growth and a recession in the 2009. Following this, these patterns, I started to look into Elliott wave theory, which uh, assumes that there are cycles in history that are guided by a social mood. They call it the human social behavior, mm-hmm. uh, guided by a wave principle. And they have an institute of socionomics, which they focus on social mood, how it affects society, like ideas, philosophy, culture, even music in the economy, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, they say that this dynamism is the engine of history. So I dug deeper and I started to see that it has um, connected with sex hormones because you see a fertility rate. Uh, for example, today are in decline and there's greater uh, uh, society in depression. And let's say a great depression is also a psychological phenomenon because when people are depressed, they're more prone to reduce consumption. You get an economic depression. So it's all interconnected. Okay. So I, I would like to drill down a little bit more on the specific connection between uh, the hormones on, on an, a sort of individual level and what that means for broader, I guess, civilizational epochs. Um, now, you focused, obviously, on the, the primary male sex hormone, uh, testosterone, as, as sort of the driving force in this. What made you decide to, to go down that route? Uh, well, I started to look at uh, society uh, from a broader perspective. Let's say uh, you have periods when you have a high fertility rates, like the Enlightenment. The, it's more a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Uh, the founding fathers like established the United States during the age of Enlightenment. Enlightenment, yes. And then you see a more uh, high fertility rate, strong family values. Uh, uh, and the opposite, when you see in the Great Depression, was uh, like in the ni- 1920s, preceding the Depression, was more, more pessimistic outlook, declining fertility rates, uh, all that all that way. There was a fe- first wave feminism, rising communism, fascism. So all those trends I saw are connected also with sex hormones, because as you see today, sex hormones are very much in decline. There's declining masculinity. Uh, more of a transgender culture. So it took me a long time to figure out how it all works together, but then I, I came to realize uh, doing uh, research on testosterone and sex hormones and, and uh, neuros- neuroscience, there's many studies in psychology from uh, Harvard and other academic institutions that show that testosterone affects all these things. The problem is that they don't put it all together. So you have a lot of empirical, great empirical studies, but no, no theory, holistic theory, as you said, to integrate everything. So that's what I did. And uh, there's a, plenty of available studies from academia you, you can use. But no one is doing this work, only I did it. But unfortunately, people are not very interested 
in its in an holistic theory, they're more they're more like particular details, not the whole, not to see the big picture. Yeah. So my my primary um, familiarity with uh, with 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 similar theories to this actually, uh, and you probably get this all the time, uh, comes from uh, interacting with the work of Jordan Peterson, where uh, he refers often to Jak Panksepp and various um, neuroscience and biology uh, to sort of uh, take a look at, you know, the behavioralist schools. And, and basically what you, you see is that, you know, animal nervous systems, human nervous systems, mammalian nervous systems are ancient. Um, and so testosterone is a very, very ancient, uh, ancient chemical. <clears throat> but uh, it, it, can you just describe... Uh, a little bit sort of the the characteristics of a higher versus lower testosterone level obviously uh in in human beings you have an almost you know 10x difference between males and females how does that change the individual behavior of an organism yeah well that's very important i think it's the primary uh, motive for societal change is uh, testosterone and serotonin they both regulate sex sexual behavior also dopamine but I'm more focused because they're also connected with uh, solar cycles, but I'll talk about that later. Okay. So what you have in a man are more risk takers. So when you have a more risk taking society with a masculine leadership, uh, like you had, say, in the culture of the founding fathers of the United States, it's more capitalist system because it's more about individualism. Men are more individualistic, they're more rebellious. Uh, testosterone has to do with in- rebelliousness uh, independence, you know, because uh, we have, uh, as a society, an inclination to be a social animal. We are all an ultra-social species. Today, a scientist refers to man, to human society, more like an ant nest or bees, you know, they're called uh, ultra-social species, are according to um, Harvard biology, uh, Professor E.O. Wilson. Mm-hmm. So today it's more feminine culture. They look at society as a group, as a collective, not as individuals. If you look at the culture of the founding fathers, it's a masculine culture. They look at people as individuals, as a culture of independence, reason, logic, all these uh, factors of the enlightenment that led to the scientific revolution, the age of capitalism, the growth in a, in a republic, a republican system that ensures individual rights. So you have a change in the, all the dy- dynamism of society and the social structure, I, I suppose, is uh, caused by se- rise and falling sex hormones. Mm. Um, so one of the questions I have then is you make this distinction between collectivist and individualist societies. And um, and you're saying, OK, we're in more of a collectivist phase at the moment. I I actually don't disagree with that. Uh, but one of the one of the key anomalies here that I'm trying to figure out in my own head when I'm thinking about this hypothesis is, OK, well, then what do we make of places like China, for example, which have historically been more collectivist and just in general, um, you know, don't really have uh as much dynamic individualism. Right. I discussed this in my book, Sex Wars, the testosterone differences between the West and the East. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at Western men, they have big, bigger testicles. They're more masculine than the Chinese men. In the West, is higher testosterone levels and higher serotonin. That's why the West is more individualistic. 
China has always been communist because it's, it's low tea culture, it's more feminine. Mm. So it's more collectivist, it's like an ant nest. But now the West is becoming more like China because testosterone levels are falling. So we are catching up to them. So what I think is happening during the Enlightenment, there was high testosterone levels because high solar activity, when you say Enlightenment, it's meant from light. So light raises testosterone because it's a growth hormone and you need solar, uh, solar energy in biology mm-hmm. to, uh, to bring biological growth because, you know, photosynthesis is powered by the sun, solar, solar radiation. And the animal, animal uh, food chain depends on the plants' growth. We need the plants. So when you have low soil activity, but it's a very uh, difficult to integrate everything. That's what I did because it, it, it affects the environmental change in solar activity, affects society. So now we're moving more to a Chinese collectivistic uh, society. So what I think will happen is the West is going to collapse because it's been a masculine society of individualism. And, uh, and when it changes into a, a more feminine society, it's a big change. Whilst China is more stable, they're, they're staying socialist all the time. Hmm. And uh, it's less prone to collapse them. That, that's why the West can collapse and China will become the next, I think, the next empire. Okay, so, but, uh, so testosterone um, makes you more individualistic, as you said, but it also makes you more exploratory. Um, your testosterone on a, just a, an individual basis goes up uh, if you achieve a higher status. Um, and so it's very, very crucial for, um, uh, as a feedback mechanism inside of uh, dominance hierarchies. Um, what... What do you, is it just the, the solar, uh, I mean, obviously, so, so the solar cycles are affecting the whole globe evenly. Um, what, what do you think is, is causing the decline of testosterone uh, in, in the West? And uh, how is it that China would become more dominant if, if they're sort of mired in this more collectivist thinking? Well, the way I see it, there is a masculine dominance, as you said, is a, sex is always a hierarchical. So mm-hmm. you had masculine dominance of Western males during the, ma- the, the history of the rise of the West. Okay. But now the ma- Western men have lost their dominance and the feminists are, are becoming, a, a, as you said, there is a polarization in societies, like a cultural divorce between the feminists and the men. So the, man, the, the feminists hate Western men. So you cannot, uh, society cannot exist when one, one half hates the other. Now, this, mm. this is not a problem in China because in China there's no feminism. So that's why the, I think they're going to become the next empire because the West is going to collapse because of this polarization caused by declining testosterone. So we have a phase transition in the sexual organization of society and families, family values have totally evaporated. So there's nothing holding society together. Actually, I predict that uh, even uh, some countries can uh, um, fall apart, like, you know, United States. I don't think it's very much united anymore mm-hmm. because you have the Bible Belt that is more masculine, patriarchal, the Republicans, you know, they're, they're more like the founding fathers. And you have the, the feminists, like in the East and West Coast, the Democrats, which are very feminist, and they hate the Republicans. So I think there's a cultural divorce going on, 
And uh, I even uh, look at the ancient history of ancient Israel. Mm-hmm. If you see ancient Israel also uh, was uh, uh, fell apart into two, divided, was divided into two kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of Judea and the kingdom of uh, Israel. So it was divided. And uh, I think uh, our United States was established by English Puritans who were very, very uh, religious Christians. And it's a very masculine culture at its beginning. Okay. But uh, this change is very fundamental, and I do, I'm not sure it can survive this without splitting apart. This is a big danger, I think, for the West, uh, this polarization. And even Jonathan Haidt, the psychology professor from NYU, he said that uh, this polarization is becoming very extreme and it's a danger to the existence of a unified culture. Mm-hmm. So what you see is a cultural divorce taking place in the West, and I think this is a, a big, a big, a big change in our in our social structure. Okay, so if you get, let me just let me just uh, make sure I have this right. So if you get uh, uh, more feminization in society, you get a decrease in sort of um, the natural uh, dominance hierarchies that organ that are organizing principles. Uh, and then this this results in basically a, an inability to cohere, take a, take to take collective action, um, or I guess individual action, uh, in order to maintain the institutions that the West has enjoyed so far that were established by our predecessors. <clears throat> right. Uh, if you see, like the Republicans, the Christians, they say we want to go back to the founding fathers. The, the idea of God, God the Father, we are all united under God. Well, mm-hmm. uh, most much of the population doesn't believe in God. That's how God the Father of liberty, according to the founding fathers, the idea of liberty, if you look at Benjamin Franklin, he said, uh, rebellion against tyrants is obedience to God. So the, the, the entire idea of the American Revolution was focused on God the Father of liberty. And uh, also he commands... Uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in, in Genesis 1. So you have this masculine ideal of strong family values, independence, you know, that all these ideas are no longer sustained in society because testosterone levels have collapsed. Uh, yeah, so the Judeo-Christian God is a, a patriarchal figure, fundamentally, um, in, in really in all the monotheistic major religions, at least. Uh it, do you think that uh, some element of this is um, not just sort of the rise of feminism, but also, uh, I guess, environmental factors or the result of industrialization? I know there's this um, Bronze Age pervert who talks a lot about xenoestrogens. Uh, do you explore that that realm as well, the environmental factors? Uh, yes, uh, I think it's also an important factor, but I think the primary factor, if you look at the 5,000 years of history, you see is it's, uh, chronobiology. Chrono means time, is how, how the solar in- cycles through time influence biological cycles. Mm-hmm. So if you look at periods of growth of civilization, it's always when solar activity rises, okay. like the, the, from the Renaissance if you look at this chart of solar activity from the Renaissance, I have in my book. Yes, the chart. these charts. I've seen it. So you can see uh, uh, Renaissance means rebirth. 
So you have a rebirth, is a high testosterone, civilization rises, and then you had the Protestant Reformation, which uh, started, the priests started to procreate, uh, get married, you know, and Protestant priests, uh, Martin Luther, uh, disavowed the celibacy of, of the Catholic and became a, a husband and uh, married a former nun. They had a family of five children. And then you have the Enlightenment, which is even a more masculine ideal of God the Father in the Declaration of the Independence, God, the father of liberty, and proclaimed liberty, and, and this is a masculine ideal. So what I think happened is we had like a three centuries from the Renaissance till the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. from, from 15th century until, until the end of the 18th century, of a high masculine culture because the solar activity was rising. So, though, so we have the sex hormones rising, testosterone and serotonin are synchronized with uh, solar cycles. And now we've been on declining trend since the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment, as I said, is come, means come from light. So light was rising. Now we have the counter-Enlightenment mm-hmm. trends, the postmodernist, which uh, Peterson talks about, postmodernism. They're nihilist. They don't believe in, in creating anything. They want to destroy the foundations of the West. And these foundations rest on masculinity, according to my theory. So if you have the man falling down in submission, and you see the barbarians are starting to come like to Europe from other countries, other uh, cultures which are more primitive. So this is a natural cycle. You see the Roman Empire, similar trends happen. They uh, started as a republic. They became a, an empire, a corrupt one with time, more feminized. And then the barbarians took over and they fell. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, most of the cultures where... Um, where Europe especially is getting large numbers of, of migrants coming in, uh, tend to be more, more matriarchal cultures. Um, and there's a sense in which the Europeans, the Western men in general, um, are sort of just unwilling to stand up to a, a, any kind of intrusion on their, on their culture, on their values, on, literally on their lands, um, and it, it's odd to me though, because there, you say that they're a more primitive culture. Are you saying that they're also more masculine? Are they just in a different phase in the cycle? What do you make of that? Yeah, they're a different phase because, uh, what happens is they're more, uh, collectivist cultures. You mean Islam today? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there was a golden age in, in Islam, which yes. was very advanced, but if you look at this, this cycle, uh, it was a period of rising solar activity in the Middle, Middle, Middle Ages. And also Europe was flourishing then. Uh, the period of uh, Europe became Christian uh, with Charlemagne's, Charlemagne's in uh, Europe. They created the Holy Roman Empire, the Christianity, and they became to flourish. At the same time was golden golden age of Islam. And uh, this is also called period from a climate perspective, a medieval warming period. There was a warming trend from the 8th century till the 12th century was a global warming. So mm-hmm. solar activity was rising. Uh, so it's all interconnected with chronobiology, solar and hormonal cycles. But now Islam has become very primitive. Uh, if you uh, compare it to the West, it's greatest. Every other culture is much more primitive uh, because they don't uh, acknowledge individual rights, independence, freedom of thought. 
uh, also all, all this debate culture, philosophical and scientific revolution all came from the West. But now the West is in decline. So is this similar to our cycles in history? The Roman, Roman culture declined, then was conquered by barbarians. You see the same cycles repeating. Are there things that can be... Okay, so this is getting very pessimistic. <laughs> are there... Um, do, do you think there are actions that can be taken within the West to uh, rejuvenate or revitalize the culture? Yeah, I think it's possible. The problem is that I don't see any will and interest really in science because the academic establishment is controlled very much by radical feminists today and people are very afraid to become a heterodox. You know, there's another, this feminist orthodoxy with socialism. And uh, Professor Jonathan Haidt, a psychologist, uh, uh, made the initiative of heterodox academy. You need to hear both sides of the idea, you know, like man, female, yin, yang, you know, uh, Republican, Democrat. So, so in order to, for science to flourish, you need to an open society. And this is not what we have in the academ academy today. That's the problem. So we need independent uh, scholars or institutions, but I don't see them thriving uh, also. So mm. I think if we would have people maybe like you, like me, other people who are more open-minded, uh, want to research, and uh, we, we can uh, have the technology and science, we can do the, we can change uh, maybe the direction uh, from philosophical perspective, from uh, biological hormones, everything. But it, it requires a lot of work, and I don't see anyone uh, being serious about it, unfortunately. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so uh, this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, Eric Weinstein, who is uh, the managing director of Teal Capital, he, uh, he's been very, very um, uh, vocal lately about the fact that all of our institutions, institutions of academia, institutions of government, um, even big business now to an extent, uh, have sort of started to select against this kind of rugged individualism and in that they sort of weed out anybody who is willing to stand up to whatever the doctrine is of the day or is trying to be sort of a high agency individual. And what we've done over time is, is his theory is we've sort of selected for compliance. We've selected for, uh, you know, both men and women who are just more, more interested in, in sort of um, getting along well um, and, and therefore, it's become impossible for us to, you know, both stand up to a lot of the outside influences, influences from China and so forth, but also to, to really forge any kind of new, new ideas and to actually have a battle of ideas. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I agree with him. Uh, you are not rewarded today to be an original thinker. On the contrary, we'll, you will be persecuted. So you have no incentive to to uh, rise up and and be uh, and 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 you, and you see the result there are no great scientists today where is newton where is darwin where is einstein today nobody mm -hmm. no one to be seen because you are uh, disincentivized to be an original thinker you can only suffer you will not you will not make any progress so this is a big problem uh, and i don't see uh, forces uh, intellectual forces that countering that uh, trend 
Uh, there's also a big problem with evolutionary psychology. Uh, uh, this is the field we're discussing now, mm-hmm. because there are no, there are all the all the scientists there are on the left, leaning left, you know, and the conservatives don't like evolution; they're more Christian. So Jordan Peterson is a mix. He's also is interested in evolutionary psychology and also is a conservative and, and Christian in his uh, worldview somewhat. But there are very few thinkers like Jordan Peterson. He's, uh, he's one and only, I, uh, I think, uh, from this kind of conservative and also scientific. So we don't have the, we have a lack of uh, intellectual uh, study in this field. Hmm. No, no leadership. And that's a big problem. I don't see it changing because uh, I tried to, uh, with my books, and I wrote some articles I published in academic journals, in Italy, but in the U.S., they uh, rejected my articles because they're controlled by radical feminists, so they're afraid to publish them. But in Italy, they're more, you know, macho, masculine society, I guess. They did publish it. So it's very political, the entire uh, scientific uh, establishment. It's not about science. It's more about political correctness. That's what's interesting for them. <laughs> so maybe, maybe in China, they make these sort of uh, individualistic people disappear, but at least in the West, they haven't quite disappeared yet. Um, and I, I guess the American archetype for this kind of thing we're talking about would be something like the cowboy and sort of, you know, going out on the frontier, uh, wanting to sort of forge, forge a new path and, you know, make, make a name for themselves. Uh, and lately in the discourse, there's been a lot about, okay, well, you know, maybe we got rid of all of the cowboys inside of academia and inside of government and so forth, but they're, they're sort of finding refuge in places like Silicon Valley and you get, you get sort of the, you know, like yourself, you get the, the kind of um, moves into finance and moves into entrepreneurship as sort of like the last holdouts where, uh, honestly, men can just be men. Uh, what do you what do you think of that? Do you think we're losing grasp on some of those areas? Where do you think the free thinkers, the individualists, are going to? Well, uh, well, to be frank, I don't see many free thinkers today. Uh, uh, you have some in uh, in business, but mm. uh, but not uh, not too many. Uh, I think uh, people are more submissive today. They they don't like to. Uh, to uh, challenge social society as much as before, they're more afraid because uh, you can get punished, you know, from society. Uh, let's say in academia, you see Bert Weinstein was expelled from university for something very minor. So it's very mm-hmm. dangerous society to become a rebel, like the founding fathers, the spirit of rebelliousness of the enlightenment, you know, that the rational man uh, going to challenge social uh, thinking and and be interested more in reason, logic, evidence, you know, this kind of stuff. So we are more like becoming a communist ant nest society like China. So if you if you have to compete of, uh, with China, they are already communists. They have the advantage. <laughs> so, mm. so this is a big problem. I don't see uh, much individualism. But I think uh, there are pockets maybe in the Bible Belt, like Texas. You know, people tend to be more like cowboys. But uh, they're bec- it's becoming a minority in the culture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so I'm a, a relatively young man. I'm in my mid-20s. Um, and I... Uh, I I could say that 
uh, somewhat um, my upbringing and the way that I experienced things growing up was a result of a lot of the cultural revolutions that happened in the 1960s in the United States, the rise of feminism and so forth. I was born to a, uh, a single mother. And um, I, just, I just know that for, for myself, at least, uh, I always had this sort of very masculine spirit of wanting to go out and wanting to explore the world and wanting to be independent and so forth. And the feeling I had growing up all through my life was that we're stuck inside of uh, some kind of smothering culture. And that it, it sort of tries to, to beat that out of you if, if, if you are inclined towards that at all. Um, do you get that sense as well? I know you're a, a bit older. Yes, uh, yes, I think you're right. I think what you can do, you know, is uh, focus on things that you can still be creative in, let's say some high-tech venture. There are still areas of business you can be creative and independent, but they're getting smaller because government is getting bigger and uh, consuming uh, society. Mm. But we, we still have some degree of independence. We are not under Stalin yet. Yet. But uh, so I think you can uh, pursue interesting, uh, interesting realms like in high tech or other style. I don't know uh, whatever interests you. But they're becoming more narrow, and you have to be very, very careful not to irritate. Like in Silicon Valley now, you know, they have this uh, political police, political correctness. So you have to be very careful today. Yeah. Well, one thing that's interesting about si Silicon Valley is what the people who start the institutions over there tend to be this type that we're talking about. But over time, what happens is they sort of get infiltrated. So, you know, may, I don't know a lot about um, Larry and Sergey at Google, but, you know, just as an example, uh, let's say Elon Musk over at Tesla and SpaceX, he goes out, he founds these companies, he wants to do exploration, he wants to go, go into space and so forth, building electric cars, uh, very masculine ideals, that he's sort of um, adhering to. But over time, what happens is the, the businesses grow. You, you need all kinds of new you know, structures and bureaucracies in place. You, you get HR departments and so forth. And it just sort of gets uh, infiltrated by these activists. One of the things that I've seen happening, especially with companies like Twitter, um, for example, is it, it can almost seem like maybe the original founder, Jack Dorsey, um, was more independent and, and more of a free thinker, but uh, and he's still sort of, at least in name, in charge of it. But uh, it, it doesn't look to me like the captain is steering the ship anymore. After a while, what happens is you just sort of get surrounded by all these people, and then everything has to be made in a collectivist fashion. You get every decision being made through a committee and um, you know political correctness and all of this other stuff. Do you think there's a way to sort of reverse that process institutionally? Um, I, I think uh, it has to do a lot with sex hormones. Like I said, uh, E.O. Wilson published uh, the, is a is a originator of the of the term, the coined term, you uh, sociality, ultra sociality. So we are very social, ultra social creatures like ants and bees. And uh, if you look at ants and bees, they are all female societies. There are no males there. The queen. Uh, is the head and uh, everyone serves the queen. It's for collective good. So this is now becoming also in Silicon Valley is very feminist culture now. I think there's it's not it's not much independence anymore. Then if you see Peter Thiel, 
he moved from Silicon Valley to LA, I think. Yes. He says it's, it's becoming more too uh, extreme and socialist for him. So uh, it's difficult. We have to study more sociobiology, uh, sex hormones, you know, this, all these influences and create a, a scientific revolution to deal with this. Uh, it's not going to come from the high-tech community because they're very feminist there, very socialist liberals, you know. Mm. Uh, so we are, we are, the, I think the problem is, I think Jonathan Haidt, I think is the smartest man and most intelligent I see today in the academy is a professor of psychology because he understand this yin, young, male, female dichotomy and how it works. We have to hear both sides of the argument. That's what he says. You have to argue about it and look for the truth. Uh, that was the, used to be the goal of acad- academy. Now, if we don't have... If this is not allowed today, mm. so you are in a, a loop, you cannot uh, you cannot run away from it. So this is a big problem. And unfortunately, I try to wake some debate with my books, my articles, but it's not much. People are not interesting. You know, they watch uh, reality shows. You know, Kim Kardashian is more interesting than me. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. you have video games, you have mobile games, you have uh, movies. Why, why do you need to think? Well, it's not the age of enlightenment anymore. People are not pursuing reason anymore. Very close-minded, I think. I think. I think part of it is that, um, at least in the West, and maybe this won't be the way for very long because we seem to be um, going through quite a bit of an economic rupture right now, but. Um, in general, it's it's just gotten very, very easy to be distracted, to get pleasure without putting in a lot of effort. Um, and this fundamentally, you know, it drains your vitality. Things like, you know, video games like you talked about, but also just bad food, pornography, so forth. All of these things are really what's distracting young men, especially from taking up the mantle and actually pursuing, you know, noble, worthwhile, wor- worthy goals. Um it's 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 pretty hard actually these days to not to not fall into that um, into that distraction and to to actually go yes. for something. Yes, if you look at the Roman Empire, they also went for went for this phase. It's called the bread and circus. You know, they had these uh, gladiators gladiators fighting in the Colosseum, and the the Caesar gave them free bread. So we have the same today. You know, you look people want the. Uh, Free money, free stuff, and uh, be entertained with some, uh, you know, shows, reality shows, uh, gaming. They're not interested so much in reality, in the real world. Hmm. Uh, they're less getting married, less interested in in uh, interne- entrepreneurship, you know. So yeah. they're becoming more, it's like going into winter hibernation. If you look in financial markets, like you have a depression, it's called the bear market. The bear market, you know, like bear, what he does in the winter is going to hibernation. So I think our society is losing its vitality and energy, mm. similar similar to a bear in the winter because we have low soil activity, reducing sex hormones, so you go sleep. Wait till the sun shines again in the summer. Mm. But these periods can last a long time if you look at the dark ages, was period of low solar activity. Centuries? It can last centuries. I think it will. It can last. Uh, it can be a decade, centuries, you know. With, uh, the, this period I don't think will last centuries, maybe decades, but... It can take time, you know, these cycles of history and um, of environmental change. So the problem is, again, I, I repeat, is uh, from a scientific perspective, we need people to advance 
and the science. Mm. And now, uh, I guess. So, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, please continue. I I completed. Well, so I I was gonna say though. I think one of the things I want to be careful about is this conversation can seem a little bit one-sided, um, or almost you know you're you're going to get accused, especially whenever you talked to anyone about masculinity or um, or testosterone, even um, any kind of traditional patriarchal norms or so forth, you, you automatically get accused of being um, misogynistic. But I think that's not what I'm reading from you, um, that the female element is not important. You say that there does need to be, there does need to be a strong balance. Is that right? Yes, uh, if you look uh, uh, one uh, uh, Theo Wilson, he wrote he wrote a very important book, The Social Conquest of the Earth. He says that uh, uh, one of our most important attributes as humanity is that we are a social species. We can cooperate on very large scales, like millions and billions of people in the global economy, and that's a female attribute because it's the ants are females or bees, you know. Mm. But we have to balance it with this ultra-sociality within some masculine independence. That's what we need, the yin-yang for, you know, this heterodoxy. So we have to understand both sides of the argument. We need the female social bonding element, but we need the masculine independence rational element as well. So if we lose one of them, we are in big trouble. We need to be social and we, be, we need to be independent. But this is a conflicting sometimes because if you have independence, then you, don't, you cannot have socialism. So history is like a pendulum of history, like shifts between these two polar opposites, the independence versus socialism. Hmm. And now we're shifting too far on the one side. That's the problem. Yeah. I, so... I'll just give you a little bit of background on me. Uh, my family came here in the 1980s from um, the former Soviet Union. And so we were trying to get out of that collectivist society. And I think that plays a role in my own um, disdain for it. Um, and I know you have studied uh, the philosophy of Ayn Rand and her objectivism. Do you still consider yourself an objectivist? And is there traces of her philosophy uh in your worldview? Yes, I am very much influenced by your idea of objective reality. I think it's very important. This actually what uh, drove me to continue on my long journey to study science. Hmm. Because I, I see people are very biased, you know, cognitive biases are very common today. So it's very difficult to be objective. And uh, this is, I think, the big, biggest problem of science because we are internally biased, all of us. So that's why we need the heterodox academy to, to look at two sides. It's <laughs> like if, if you study a, an electric cycle, electric, uh, you need to study the plus and minus you know, of the battery, uh, the charge moving. So if you study just the one side, the minus, you cannot understand the electric cycle, the the chain of uh, electric electromagnetism. So it's the same with society. I think sex is very much electromagnetic because if you look at men, female, you know, it's like sexual attraction, opposite sexual attraction, like uh, heterosexuality. Right. You need is pol polar polarization. Polarization, exactly. So what you're speaking about uh, with your idea on uh, uh, polarization rising is like the plus of the mind and the minus 
going apart is when you have less energy, sexual energy, less uh, electromagnetic energy, similar. And then you get more resistance, the current stops. And uh, and this is what's happening, I think, today to our society, if we can borrow uh, some idea from uh, electricity. Yeah. And the energy level is dropping today. Uh, people are less active, more passive. And uh, if you look at Chinese philosophy, they realized it also, uh, the term yin yang. Mm-hmm. So yang means ma- more masculine energy associated with the sun. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, and the sun is also what's raising... Uh, testosterone levels so men are more active and the uh, yin is the female is more associated with darkness with the moon mm-hmm. so the night you're more uh, more passive so this is uh, this is the forces in society i think so roy you have a you have a degree in computer science um and with regard to the cycle of you know chronobiology you know then that the computation can't be run backwards right it's irreversible um, and so I, I, I think there's a widespread conclusion, for example, that the, um, the tide of feminism that's, you know, taken hold in the West is probably not going to recede, um, or at least without some kind of large scale civilizational, um, collapse of some kind, uh, the computation will only, will only go forward. What, what do you see happening forward? I know you alluded to this a little bit at the beginning, um, with you know the, the the rise of China, obviously that we're all concerned about. I actually saw today they've officially announced that Hong Kong has fallen, um, which is unfortunate for the people living there. Um, how, how do you see this playing out in the next, say, you know, twenty, forty, fifty years? I, I think the because of the testosterone levels declining, the West will lose its uh, hegemony. You know, there's a term, the global pecking order, like the, the, the dominance hormone testosterone rising during the Enlightenment made, made the West rise to the top of the global pecking order of the nations. It became the leading force in the world. But if you look before, uh, 500 years ago, China or India were more... Uh, uh, rich than the West, I mm. think. So periods of history change. Uh, culture doesn't stay uh, always uh, dominant and uh, wealthy. Uh, if you don't pre- preserve uh, the independence of the West, that's that's what made it great. The independence, yeah, uh, you will lose it. So yes, yeah, it's difficult, but. Uh, Again, as I said, if we had more people like you who are interested in acquiring free minds, mm. uh, actually, I'm, it's interesting that you come from Eastern Europe, because in Eastern Europe, I think, is a more masculine culture today. So if you look at the decline of the Roman Empire, when the Western Roman Empire fell, the Eastern Roman Empire survived for a thousand years longer, because yeah. I think it was more masculine. So I think the Eastern Europe actually has a better chance than the Western Europe. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely know that in places like Russia and Poland, for example, you have stronger uh, ties to Christianity at the moment. You have more resistance to sort of the encroaching, um, you know, global culture that's sort of drowning everything in these sort of progressive ideals. Uh, they seem to be a little bit more resistant, I think, if only because they, uh, they've endured, you know, 75 years or so under 
under communist tyranny. I think some of it is that they just uh, they they sort of weeded it out a lot of the weakness through um, all of the historical trauma that those societies have been through since World War II. Right. I think that's true. Yeah. I think also success has its downfall because when you are a, a rich, a very wealthy state, people become uh, more uh, promiscuous. You know, they don't think uh, it's like you say in three generations from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeve. You know, when you born to a rich family, usually the children eventually lose the money because they're not as uh, independent and t- taking care of themselves. Right. So you need some you need some stress, some adversity in order to become stronger, to appreciate your success. So I think uh, that's also t- it's also uh, reducing testosterone in the West because now you have less masculine uh, uh, activities. Mm-hmm. People are not working so hard. You know everything is automatic in the city. You don't. So if you don't. Uh, work out, you become weaker mentally and physically. So it's all interconnected with hormones, with culture and social and historical trends. Yeah, well, they say uh, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, and bad times create strong men. And that's sort of the cycle, right? That's the meme. Right, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I think it has to do also with testosterone cycles, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, because I'm still fixated. <laughs> a part of me wants to believe that this could be salvaged. You know, I kind of like living in the West. I kind of don't want to live in China um, or anything resembling uh, that kind of a regime with with the values that they have. They have no value for human life and um, very little value of, for, for freedom or autonomy of any kind. Um, everything's sort of all about sacrificing yourself to the whole, um, I, you know, I, at least, uh, I guess, you know, in the Northern hemisphere right now, obviously it's summer. Um, are there basic things that people can do in their everyday lives to sort of try to reinvigorate themselves? I mean, I, I I know Jordan Peterson has sort of a self-help, uh, kind of spin on it where he just says, look, the only thing that we can do as individuals is try to, lift ourselves up, try to make ourselves into the, you know, the best um, human beings possible. And then, and then we can sort of expand out into the world from there. What's, what's your take on, on, on taking action? Cause I'm, I'm getting a little bit discouraged here. I, I'm not interested in, you know, resigning myself to, to this fate uh, and being apathetic towards it. Yeah. That's the problem when you have this uh, low T culture is becoming very fatalistic like you know, in Greek philosophy, they believed in tragic. They, they 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 were tragic. They had a tragic worldview. Yeah. If you look at the opposite, that like the the Hebrew Bible is like the God, God the Father, this strong figure, masculine figure. He controls nature. He's a dominant position over nature. So this fatalism is is not good, and people become depressed, and that's why antidepressants are on the rise, like four hundred percent. And so. That's that's what drove me to study these cycles, try to understand how they work, and um, hopefully, you know, we can uh, engineer some solutions. Yeah. Like, like Elon Musk, you know, he has a lot of great ideas, a lot of, of uh, motivation. So we need people like that. I think we can uh, we can have some uh, solution because we have the technology, the 
the electric power, we can we can do a lot of stuff. Yeah. The problem is the will. Not many people have the will. I think that's the big problem. But uh, you can find people that are willing and able and uh, look look to form, uh, you know, unite with them. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up uh, the, um, you know, the Judeo-Christian God and his dominion over nature because that is the roots of of our modern science. It's based in this idea that we can dominate nature. Um, I, I forgot who said it, but some some scientists who said, you know, basically science is more or less a rape of nature. Um, right, that's Francis Bacon. Francis yeah. Bacon said that. Very politically incorrect to say that these days. No, he, he, he said nature to be commanded must be obeyed. So mm. this is the problem, the contrast, because how you can command something you have to obey to. Mm. This is the big the big problem of human nature because we are dependent on nature from one uh, also, also we have an animal nature and animalistic nature through our hormones and sexual behavior mm-hmm. so the problem is how we can dominate that yeah and th- this is a big problem in philosophy as well right right and and so you know it's uh it's like i said earlier it's summertime here uh in the northern hemisphere for uh, Israel as well. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time outside, and I feel like it's uh, it's helping a little bit. It's pretty hard right now under the under the coronavirus because you're sort of forced into this very cloistered, um, non-exploratory mode. Um, at least you know I'm I'm in the state of Michigan here, so uh, under our <laughs> female governor, we can't we can't go out. We can't do anything. We're on total lockdown. I don't actually know the status of. Um, of Israel, how they're dealing with the virus at the moment. Um, but wh- what do you think of, uh, of all this happening uh, with the coronavirus invading? And how, how do you think that's going to affect people's, you know, hormone levels, people's masculine energy and so forth? I think it's all synchronized with solar cycles because if you, I actually wrote an article about that. And it's also, I predicted the virus in my book. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at history, when solar activity declines, there are more viruses, more epidemics, plagues, because the sun, uh, the UV radiation kills germs and viruses. So mm-hmm. now we have a period of low solar activity, and now is an 11-year cycle. It was in 2009, and now in 2020. And again, we have a, an epide- a pandemic. And we had in 2009 also the H1N1 swine flu virus. So... You can predict, actually, and I think the actually the reason that we're becoming more feminized and low T is that uh, women are uh, more adapted to uh, uh, this environment because women have a stronger immune system. Mm. So men die, men, men die from this virus twice as likely to die than women. Right. But all, uh, women also have uh, more, uh, sorry, uh, women have also more uh, stronger immune response, but they also get more autoimmune disease when the body attacks itself. So that's what you see today. We are over-responding to this virus, I think, and they are, we are completely paralyzed our economy and uh, destroyed it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty devastated. Um, one of the other interesting things about the virus is it actually seems to target um, male uh, male sex or, um, organs. You, I don't know if you've heard of this, but there are um, 
it, it seems to affect the, the semen. And so actually your sperm count will go down and your, your literal, you know, um, vitality is reduced if you end up getting COVID-19. Um, it's, it's almost like something that, uh, an evil scientist would invent if they were trying to destroy Western civilization. Right. Yes, but also I I read I, I wrote an article about it. I researched it because I was interested in evolution in the evolution of viruses. Mm-hmm. And what I find out that viruses, retroviruses, like let's say AIDS, they can change your DNA, and mm-hmm. that changes uh, passes through for your from your uh, germ cells, like your. Uh, like you said, in the testicles, it can influence them. And then it passes to the next generation. So it's uh, very interesting how this whole system works. Oh, so there's an, epig- there's an epigenetic signature that's left behind. Uh, yeah, not even, not even only epigenetic, because epigenetic is the layer above the DNA mm. that turns genes on and off. It even can change your actual DNA, because retroviruses, they can add... Uh, DNA sequences to your existing uh, gene genes. Yeah, it's amazing how it works. Wow, that's crazy. And then you pass it to the next generation. So I think there's some there's some uh, scientific uh, hypothesis that this is one of the causes for uh, biological evolution. Hmm. The retroviruses. So the the interaction between human beings and retroviruses has uh, contributed to to our evolution in various ways. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, it's uh, groundbreaking science because it's not w- well known. Mm-hmm. I submitted an article about these solar cycles and uh, re- retroviruses, how it all evolves and changing social evolution to this uh, scientific journal in Italy. Hope they will publish it. Mm. But it's very interesting stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that's that's mm. sort of happening that's a response to people noticing sort of the decline of masculinity in the West and the feminization of our culture, and, I mean, in some cases, the literal feminization of our men, uh, is that you have the rise, especially on the Internet, of sort of these male dominated spaces, what they call the manosphere, um, you know, red, various kinds of, uh, you know, red pill type subcultures that exist that are sort of trying to, uh, I guess, recreate uh, what they think or, or, or what could be possibly a, a type of masculine culture that seems to be gone. Um, you know, there's sort of an emphasis on all male coalitions, which are basically extinguished from um, at least from America at this point, there's almost no societies or social groups left where you're allowed to have only males. Um, they all get torn down by angry, um, angry feminists. Um, do you think that, uh, you know, starting these private organizations where men can come together and have companionship and have partnership and really be in a truly masculine space, do you think that those kind of social movements um, might help with some of this, at least uh, you know, deterring a little bit of the decline? Um, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, natural for men to uh, unite, you know, to order to protect the territory. The female is like a natural masculine instinct. 
So you've um, so you've you've called out communism. Obviously, it's very collectivist, and you're wary of the descent into fascism. Uh, what form of government do you think is most aligned with, uh, I guess, the zenith of your hypothesis? If we were at apex masculinity, do you think we would be dealing with some form of democracy, some kind of aristocracy? Uh, how do you see that playing out in terms of governmental forms? Well, the founding fathers were very good students of history, and they they founded a republic based on the idea of the Roman Republic, when the individual is the is the strong is the primary force of society is based on the individualism. So I would I think is the best form of government is a republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what they said is they already knew that society usually declines into a democracy and then in a corrupt empire similar to ancient Rome. And they predicted that, so they uh, made it difficult through the constitution to try to preserve the republican institutions that guarantee individual rights. However, through time, this uh, gets corrupted. So, yeah. Uh, so, the founding fathers, I think, are a great example. Yeah. So, I actually, um, my degree, my bachelor's degree is in. Um, my undergraduate degrees in political theory and constitutional democracy. So I paid a special attention to the American founding as part of my studies. And one of the things that the founders definitely knew for sure when they set up our republic was that they, they viewed it mechanistically. So they viewed it almost like a clock or a watch that you're setting into motion. And over time, they expect, like you said, they expected it to unwind. They expected it to become... Um, more democratic than than Republican, even though it was established as a democratic republic. Um, and they also expected there to be basically the degeneration of the institutions. And the Constitution, um, again, as you said, was set up to try to, uh, I guess, mitigate that process as long as as long as possible. But unfortunately, you know, it's been going on for o- over three hundred years now, and we might be we might be hitting the. Um, I guess almost 300 years, we might be hitting the uh, the the bounds of that, the the upper bounds of how long that can hold. I'm not sure. Uh, yes, uh, they they were very uh, very uh, aware of history of the cycles, and they view you know what you said, the mechanistic universe, like a Newtonian universe that's very mechanistic. Mm-hmm. So in their study of social social uh, behavior. So I, I agree with what, what what you say. They 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 actually were very afraid of that. And the, if you see the picture I have from the on my book, the testosterone hypothesis, yeah, it is from uh, these cycles. Uh, an American painter who was uh, also a part of this culture during the 19th century uh, who made this picture of the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah, very famous picture. Uh, 
You can go check out Roy's book <laughs> to get a look at it. He's got all five of the um, all five of the images there. Uh, well, Roy, this has been a really wonderful conversation. Um, thank you so much for shedding light on um, the testosterone hypothesis. Uh, I think it's been very fruitful, even though we are going through a bit of a dark moment right now. And um, uh, before I let you go, though, I, I did want to just give you a chance here. Do you have any um, upcoming work or things that you're working on that you might want to let people know about who um, can visit your website and who might be looking for, you know, more more work from you? Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff uh, on my website. is is called testosteronecivilization.com, mm-hmm. one word. Uh, and you can look at my books. Uh, there's articles I published in a scientific uh, and philosophy journal. Uh, you can uh, read it for free. It's very, very interesting. You can get the, the big picture from this article. It's like 10 pages long on solar cycles, light, sex hormones, and the life cycles of civilization. So I recommend starting from this article, and then you can dig deeper if you're interested. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, like Roy said, you can find his website over at testosterone You can also um, follow him on Twitter at testosterone uh, Roy, have a great one. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Bye now. Okay, bye.